Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents, and welcome to the 2021 Summer Vacation Series. We're getting to know comics from around the world who performed on our Isolation Comedy online show in 2020. I'm your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, will join us if she damn well pleases. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy and beyond. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham, or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page or YouTube channel. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin, uh, check that, the global comedy scene absolutely amazing. If you like podcasts, please rate and review us. Today, we are traveling to London, England. Uh, our guest is a 2019 Malcolm Hardy Award winner as the act most likely to make a million quid. His character is a dictator president from the imaginary nation of the LAFTA Republic and is the product of dedication to character work not only on stage but off. His character even has his own podcast and he recently debated a London mayoral candidate as his presidential character. His videos have started going viral including one of the more recent ones and it's absolutely delightful Welcome to Nigeria video and you can catch that on Instagram and TikTok. And one of our, he is one of our favorite comics on the 2020 Isolation Comedy Online show with his dedication to his character at, I think about 2 a.m. in the mornings <laughs> to do our shows. <laughs> and now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Benjamin Bello. Hi. Hey, hi. That is such a very lovely introduction <laughs> and makes me feel really good about my comedy achievements. I, I can't believe that the last time I did your show was 2020. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, last wow. summer. Wow. Probably. Uh, no, we, we wrapped up in December of 2020 because things were starting to open up here. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, there were more live, live options uh, here in, in Austin and everywhere else in, in yeah. the States. Wow. Wow. Because we just opened up uh, a week ago or so. So it's all people are really excited by the fact that, you know, their live gigs happening. Yeah. Well, we've also noticed that uh, a lot of people are being infected by the virus as a result. Um, so I call it, um, you know, we have that label and the cigarette label, the uh, health warning. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a health warning now, the performing comedy comes with the health <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's actually the, your comment isn't more timely. There's a comic who just announced on the comic pages in Austin that he's he's tested positive. So, yeah, you, you just and I, I think he is that he was vaccinated. So, yeah, you yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's risky. Yeah, yeah it's uh, yeah. And so because for me, I'm, I'm the sort of person who likes to reflect. So as much as I'm excited by the venues and the audiences and I performed on Friday, as my character, I was just very cautious of mm. not wanting to catch anything because, you know, the, the stat says that uh, comics are getting it where they congregate in the green room. Uh, yeah, and people just get really excited because they haven't seen themselves for a while, but yeah, I just think they should just still do what they need to do to protect themselves. Right. Audience, yeah. audiences, want, audiences, I'm sure it's the same in the States. They, they want the comedy. They've missed it. They've missed they it. They want it, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Benjamin, it is a pleasure to have you. I usually start these off with an icebreaker question. Are you ready for yours? Yeah, tell okay. me what the icebreaker is. <laughs> okay, it is one word to describe your past. One word to describe my past. Enlightening. I like it. Do you have any uh, uh, memories of comedy playing a role in your life when you were younger? Or do you want to tell us about like your 
your your childhood and and its relationship with comedy? Well, it would have to be my father, and I didn't know he. I wouldn't say he was a comedian, but he was a naturally funny um, individual. He was uh-huh. he was definitely a character. Um, and I remember at the age of five, when I was driving, when he was driving me to uh, go and see one of his friends, he said to me, "I I love taking you around because you make me laugh." No. And I was five, but I remember that at the time. At the time, oh. I know what that actually meant. To be honest with you, it's just when I started performing comedy that that comment resonated. I tried to figure out when did I start thinking about comedy? And it was a very, a very, very young age. Um, but that, that comment really resonated with me. But then when I remember how he was, he was, he was a character. He was, he was naturally a very funny, I don't know whether he had any punchlines, but he was just, I just found him really, really funny. Yeah. Almost, almost what I would say my comedy idol at the time, but I was raised in Nigeria, so some of the names I'm going to mention, you 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 would definitely not have heard of them, but they were more like um, comedy sketch characters rather than stand up. Okay. So they had their own sitcom and they they had their own uh, themes, uh, 45 minutes, regular TV slots where they acted out basically. So I I genuinely believe that's where my influences were. They were comical. I think the best way to describe them is I, I don't know who I could use in America as a good um, barometer in terms of the, you know they didn't do they didn't do straight stand up mm-hmm. they were just comical characters yeah there was one there was one called Baba Sala who was just basically a character who was an elderly man who dressed in such a very strange way almost like Benny um, Mr Bean oh yeah. yes no Mr Bean yeah absolutely. Almost, yeah, yeah, almost like Jim Carrey. You know those funny faces that they do, where there's no jokes, just funny faces, funny dress, and you're laughing, almost like silent comedy. Yeah, that sort of thing. So that's what those were my major influences at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And what was it? Because I, I, I saw. So I, I do a Google search whenever I, I'm about to interview somebody, yeah. and yeah. I, I saw. Uh, a headline that said you came to comedy later in life, but I couldn't ever find like you know anything that went in depth. Is that is that right that you you came to comedy a little bit later than? Yeah, I came I came into comedy at the age of forty five. Okay. Yeah. So even though I I would say uh, I would say that okay, uh, being funny at the age of five, even though it's not the same, but. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, life takes you different. I knew, you know, there's no way I had any, I could make any decision about what I wanted to do anyway. Yeah. <laughs> my parents guided me until, yeah. And, and, and I still think, no, even at the age of 19, when I left Nigeria to come into the UK, I always knew that people saw me as naturally funny, but I didn't see myself as a comic. I didn't even know what stand-up comedy was mm-hmm. until the age of 40 something when I went to, uh, that's why there's a missing gap between 19, at the age of 19, <laughs> 45, those years, there's no way I was, I was performing comedy, uh-huh. the, the sense of it. Yeah. Uh, it's at the age of 45 that I discovered uh, that I could do comedy. What was it that, that made that discovery, discovery happen for you? Oh, well, there was, um, I don't know if you've been to Nigerian weddings. Nigerian weddings have, uh, they have a church wedding and they have a reception. Okay. Uh, at the reception, they hire like a Toastmaster to engage with the audience and to just, you know, bring some atmosphere. And it happened to be a wedding that I went to for a friend and um, a Nigerian uh, wedding. And the MC, we call them MCs, um, not MCs for comedy clubs, but MCs for, but they do something similar. But yeah, but, but it's very, very different. And so he had an MC who did not show up that day. And he said, oh, uh, Ben, would you like to host? Yeah, it was just out of the blue. Oh. Yeah, so there was no plan. There was no strategy. There was no, I didn't have, I hadn't done any research. And he just said, look, I'm stuck because we can't find the MC. We don't know where he is. Uh, do you mind just filling? And I went there, 300 people, made them laugh, interacted with them. I was just being naturally funny. And then I met someone who then said, I have never been to a Nigerian wedding where reception, where people are just laughing that you were the boss of the event. You, you made the event happen because it's such a very crucial role. 
Yeah. If you don't get it right, it could that could just destroy the whole wedding atmosphere. Exactly. Because, yeah, because so I just I just got the microphone and I just was observing how people dressed and I just making fun of people, roasting them, and they and I became the center of attention. <laughs> Uh, and it was so, even though I had no idea what I was doing, I was just being naturally funny, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. And then someone came and said, Oh, have you ever thought of doing stand up comedy? And I said, What stand up comedy? What do you mean by stand up <laughs> <laughs> <stand-up> comedy? <laughs> oh, this is my card. Uh, come to the, there's a place called the Comedy Store. And I went to the Comedy Store uh, in London. I'm sure you have it in the States as well. And it happened mm-hmm. to be a Monday night where they ask audience members to come on stage. And I went on stage because they, the MC just said, does anyone want to try some new material and try new material or anyone from the audience? And I'd seen the other comics go on stage. And I just thought they're talking about their lives. They're talking about themselves. Hello. I'm just <laughs> going to go up and say something. Uh-huh. And I said something and I just said something. I just said it and I did very well. And I thought I was a comic as a result of just doing very well. <laughs> because people were applauding me and people were saying, oh, come to this come to this gig. Oh, I, I run a gig in Austin. I run a gig. And you find out the comedy promoters who were there to mm-hmm. pick up new talent. And that's how it started. But even though that first gig was great, the next three gigs, I died. I just literally died because I didn't realize that there was a technique. Uh-huh. I didn't realize. You had to write your own jokes. I didn't realize that you had to prepare. So I just literally just went there thinking, oh, I did it the first time. And then yeah. I just, this is not, well, there's something happening. Something is not, something's not right. Yeah. Um, and then I, I watched them, watched them. And then uh, I went on a comedy course, even though I didn't finish the comedy course because I found it really boring. But it was just get to see what, how to construct jokes and how to write jokes. And now you did focus on the delivery. Uh, but it was more about how to write jokes. Um, yeah, I, I haven't looked back ever since. So that's, that's so I'm a, what I would call an accidental comic, not yeah. a, a comedian, just, it just happened by accident. And it's almost like you taste something that you enjoy and you know, it's addictive. You can't, you, you can't, you can't then turn back and say, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we go into a room full of strangers and, uh, people are laughing and responding to your jokes and you're wondering wow this is this is nice this is actually quite nice and refreshing yeah so that's that's how I go into comedy that is such a fascinating journey and it, it, I find it so amusing that you know you think that as as we get older we become wiser and we we know the ways of the world and it is hilarious that you know you're you're you come into comedy as an older person and yet you make the same mistakes that, you know, somebody brand new and young and, you know, 18 year old getting into comedy, uh, not realizing, oh, you have to write things. <laughs> oh, yeah. you, you have to prepare things. <laughs> yeah, you have to write, you have to prepare. It's, yeah. it's almost like, it's almost like you have to go on a proper comedy course. It's not just uh-huh. any comedy course, because yeah. there's some courses that you will go to. It's almost like, it's, it's, it's a profession. It's almost like you want to yeah. be a doctor, for example. Uh, you carefully choose which university you want to go to because that university, as far as I'm concerned, will uh, either make or break you in terms of your career. So if you go to Harvard University, you're bound to be surrounded by, your network will be different, won't it? You know, and yeah, yeah, and there's a career structure. So there are some people who have been extremely lucky because they've been spotted immediately and they've been guided through. So they have a mentor who tells them these are the mistakes. But I... I don't have any regret the way I have done it because I wanted to throw myself into it mm-hmm. uh, and I did. And even though it's been time consuming and it's taking longer, uh, it meant it meant that I've been able to master the craft, if that makes sense. You know, I, I, you know, right. I'm my own man because thinking about it, mm-hmm. I, I'm a mature 45 year old uh, doing, at the time doing comedy. So, and, and as much as you said that you learn from your mistakes, like an 18 year old, Actually, my views have already been formed in terms of the world. So it's very difficult for you to then try and shape, yeah. shape views, if that makes sense. Because I'm, yeah. I'm an independent person. So I knew, even though it was by accident, I knew where I wanted to take the character to at the time. But it was just, I knew that I wanted to create something different and unique. 
I knew I wanted to stand out. I knew I didn't want to sound like an 18 year old. I knew I didn't want to sound like a 20 year old. I knew I didn't want to do your straight stand up. I wanted to entertain people. Cause that, that if you remember what I said about the first Nigerian wedding reception, that was about entertainment. That was about entertaining right. people. And so I just thought, mm, yeah, then, yeah. yeah. That. You, you're, you're in London proper. And yeah. I imagine that London is has its parallels with either New York City or Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. It's a big, yeah. big comedy scene. Yeah. What was that like navigating a big comedy scene as a newcomer? I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a comedy scene. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know that there was an industry. I just wanted to just get on the get on the um, get on the stage and just perform. And okay, so to correct you, I don't live in London. I live outside London, which is about 30 minutes away. Okay. Um, but I didn't know that there was a comedy scene until I just saw all these comics. You know, I'll meet them at open mic gigs. And as yeah. soon as I started moving up the ladder, I'll meet them and I said, Why all these people? And <laughs> you know, some of them were really perfect. They, they knew where they were going in terms of their in terms of their comedy. So yeah. it was any it was only after I uh I applied for a comedy competition and I got to the finals that I realized, wow, this is real. You, know, <laughs> this, this is, you could actually make a living from this. You know what I'm saying? And it was in 2016, I got through to the finals of the, it's called the new act of the year. Uh, and there were some prominent comics who are whole household names now who had won it. And uh, so, so someone like Gina Yashire, you might know her. She's um, uh, a black female comic who's doing very well in America. She has a sitcom called, uh, I think it's Bob or something, or Bobby, I can't remember exactly, but she's got a sitcom. She had to leave England, but she won the, uh, I think she won the, the Nazis one year. Then there's Trevor Noah, no, not Trevor Noah. Uh, some of the names you won't remember, but anyway, they, they, they were involved in the, they got to the finals of these specific, this, uh, uh, competition that I entered at the time and I got to the finals and then I saw my name or the character's name in print in national media and I just said wow this <laughs> is this is crazy this is you know it's almost like I think it's almost like before that happened because I started in 2011 so by 2016 I would say that I was probably in a trance for five years when I say in a trance that you know I'll just enjoy myself and just and I still enjoy it but I just thought it's 2016 that I realized, wow, you could actually make a career out of this. You could act, this is really, because the character had already become a, a household name because in 2015, I'd taken it to Edinburgh and people were okay. raving about the character. Once again, I went to Edinburgh just blindly. <laughs> I just took a show to Edinburgh, boom, I'm going in there and, and I did it. And I got a five-star review. And then I, I saw myself in this final 2016 and my name was in the press. And I just thought, wow, this is, this is, this is interesting. Yeah. So yeah, every, everything up until like 2016 was almost by accident. Uh -huh. And it's then I realized that, wow, I got to take this really seriously because there are people who are taking it seriously, but also there is a comedy industry. There's a comedy game. And then I realized that you have, um, uh, different um, parts of the comedy industry. So you have the open mic scene, mm -hmm. and then you have to be strategic about when you, how long you want to play the open mic scene, and then you go into the the pro scene, and you go into the TV. Yeah. So I made a concerted effort when I realized that oh, this is the open mic scene. Actually, I'm not going to get anywhere with this. I got to get out of the open mic scene and move into the pro scene. Yeah. So it's it's a uh, and then it's all about. Uh, it's only when I went to Edinburgh Fringe that realize that you have uh, gatekeepers in the industry, you know, people who mm -hmm. actually are gatekeepers. I, I didn't know who the gatekeepers were. I had no idea who the stake, I had no idea who to impress. I just went on stage and did what I did. Yeah, you just <laughs> yeah. wanted to entertain. I just wanted to entertain and that's it. And then if you come to me and say, oh, you're quite good. And in character, say, who are you? And we know that it's someone who's really, really important. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I discovered all these things by accident mm -hmm. uh by 2016 is when i actually took it seriously so to answer your question yes it was it was tough navigating because uh in hindsight 
if if I if I had to give anyone advice, younger comics advice, I, I'd say, okay, fine. Uh, you want to go into comedy? Are you clear in your mind what you want to do? Like, do you, do you see this as a career? If you see this as a career, then you've got to have a a plan, almost like a business plan, almost like a uh, uh, if you were working like a performance appraisal plan mm -hmm. with some goals about where you want to be in three, four, five years time. Who are the people you need to impress? Who are the stakeholders? Who are the people who actually run these gigs? Because those are the people who are going to help you. You say, right. who are the company promoters in your area? Who are the stakeholders? Who are the agents? Who, you know, I, I, would you want to do a show in a year's time? If you want to do a show in a year's time, are you going to get the people who you need to impress to come to your show? Yeah, who are the reviewers? Who are the people? Who are the gatekeepers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, those... But I, like I said, I have no regrets doing it the way I did it because I think if I did it the other way around, I probably would have found it really, really difficult because yeah. like I said, I'd already been formed, you know, a 45 year old. Uh, by the time I hit the, 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 the limelight, uh, I was approaching 47, 48. So, you know, I'm not being big headed. It just, I just knew, I knew what life was about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might not know how the comedy scene operates, but it's only a matter of time. Right. And I'm talking about it now because I know how it, how it all, you know, PR, getting a PR person, you know, you're almost having a, a team of people to help you with your career. You must, right. you must have an agent. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So it was, so, it was, it was tough navigating, tough navigating. It. Yeah. But I think I preferred, for me, I preferred to be judged by my performance and my material rather than try to massage people's egos, rather than try to impress. Yeah. So yeah. I, I I see my I see my comedy as uh, a character as as a character that is loved by audiences. And I always say that if audiences were were gatekeepers, then it will be a different, you know, mm -hmm. my journey will be different, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I'm very interested, and we haven't actually named your character yet. I would mm -hmm. like to very much explore the birth of your, your character, President Obanjo. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he is the, the beloved president of the LAFTA Republic. Yeah. And it, I, I'm, it was really, really uh, cool hearing you talk about how when you were younger, the types of comedy that you enjoyed yeah. were uh, people who were doing sketch and characters. And yeah, now yeah. here you are fully entrenched in this character. So can you tell us how President Obanjo was born? Yes, yes. And uh, it's really interesting because I hardly, I hardly talk about when he was born. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do indirectly. So uh, he was created. Um, during that time that Barack Obama was trying to get elected. So I'd heard about Barack Obama. So uh, the character had already become really popular online. So even in, back in Nigeria, they called President Bonjo, oh, my president, because, you know, but I didn't know where I was going to go with it, but I knew it was eventually going to have to be politics. But uh -huh. I was wrestling at the time with performing as myself, and also performing as president of Anjum. But he got created because uh, at the time, and I talk about this on stage, uh, my wife was supporting Hillary Clinton and I was supporting Obama. And then Obama becomes president. And then all of a sudden, it's as if my wife can't get enough of Obama. Obama this, Obama that. And, <laughs> and as a black man, uh, I, I I just thought, because Obama was just not, he's not too far in terms of age difference. Uh -huh. And I just, just reflected that, geez, where did I go wrong? Probably I would have been <laughs> black president of America or I would have been a president. Uh -huh. And my stage, my stage name is a nickname that someone gave me uh, when I arrived in England called Obonjo. And I just thought Obonjo and Obama sound very similar. At the time, I didn't even know that there is a degradatory remark for Obama, which is Obongo. Oh. Yes, I didn't even know. Oh, so wow. Obongo, yeah, if you Google Obongo, Obama will come up and is a racist term for Obama. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah. So, but I didn't do that. I didn't even know that. But Obonjo was the one that I, it was my nickname. So I said, if I put president in front of Obonjo, that sounds like Obama, because I also was hooked on Obama. I was just hooked on his, on his communication skills. I was hooked yeah. on how he was able to galvanize people. And I thought, oh, wow, this is great. And I would want to use the same for my character. But also, it was more about the fact that it looks like my wife is attracted to Obama. So I might as well just have a <laughs> president of the house. So I would create a character called President Obonjo. Hello. And maybe she would just forget about Obama. <laughs> president Obonjo. Yeah. So that's how, that's how the character is created. And it's a relationship it's a tactic as well as a comedy ploy. Say that again. Sorry? It's a relationship improving tactic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I started and I started performing as President Bonjo, uh, not in uniform as a civilian okay. president. And then I found out that he was having problems. Obama was having problems um, uh, with the Republicans. You remember there was a time he used to say, yes, we can. But as soon as the Republicans were forcing him not to get the health care done and all that stuff, yeah. he said, yes, we can. But and I was driving past an English village. I was in an English village. I went in there for a business meeting and I saw an army shop and that army shop had secondhand army uniforms. And for me, um, I saw the uniform and I thought that's what Obama actually needs. Obama needs to be an African president. He needs uh -huh. to be a real African dictator so he can tell the Republicans to go you know, F themselves, uh -huh. shut down, change the constitution, make it third term, you wouldn't have Donald Trump. But yeah, so the whole idea was, was to create this character in uniform. Um, and obviously what I haven't said is my grandfather was in the army, my auntie was in the army. I have lots of uncles and aunties who were in the army. And actually I wanted to join the army, Nigerian army many, many years ago when I was in Nigeria, but my parents wouldn't allow me to. So it was a way of also just relieving that fact that, oh, I could have been a military person, yeah. but I ended up not being it. But what I did not know was the day I wore that uniform, that was the day the whole thing just changed. I, I went to, there's a comedy club I had been performing for years and uh, I wasn't getting any progression. I'd always do a five, 10 minute spot, but that's it. He wouldn't progress me any further. And then I went in there with the uniform. Wow. The reaction from the audience. And then the, he, he, he came to me after the stage performance and said, wow, you have found your mojo. Wow. Yeah, that's what he said. And, and mojo, you know, you're a comic. He meant, he meant yeah. you found your voice. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I knew I'd found my voice because I just, I feel like every time I'm in uniform, I feel like I'm like a credible hawk where I've changed into this powerful, I genuinely believe that I am a real president. People believe I'm a real president. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's, just, it's just a fully formed um, character. So that's how, that's how it was created. That's how it was created. Wow. What an yeah. amazing story. Yeah, that's how it was created. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you, you performed first at Edinburgh in 2016. No, 2015. Oh, 2015. And then yeah. four years later, you're recognized uh, with the Hardy Award Prize, which is yeah. Uh, yeah. pretty cool. I, I was reading some of the history behind the uh, Malcolm Hardy Awards. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's quite a, a, an honor that, that you were recognized. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, 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 and it, was, it was an interesting, uh, great to have had that that um, award, um, but there was a lot going on that year with, um, uh, what's it called? The main TV station trying to steal the character off me. So depending on your, in terms of your measure of success, for me, that was success. The fact that a main TV station saw how good the character was, wanted to create a sitcom because of it, uh -huh. and then made an announcement to say they were creating a sitcom, changed my name, gave it to someone else, but they got found out. They got found out. Wow. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can imagine. And that's why it's really interesting how you might have, and this is with everything in life, you might have a, 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 
uh, a strategy in terms of where you want to go with something, but you never know what could either derail you or what could, you never know what's at the corner anyway. Yeah. They did, they did me a favor in 2019 by making that announcement. They just raised the profile of the character. It was just, now anyone who uh, has something similar. So for example, there've been instances where someone's joke has been stolen. It's, it, it's now part of history, what happened to the character. They say, oh, you, they're trying to do an abonjo on you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. And those are, those are the measures of success that I, I, I didn't actually put in place, but that is my way of measuring success. The fact that, wow, a main TV station tried to steal the character. Wow. Um, now these days, someone tries to steal something off anybody. They say, oh, they're trying to do an abonjo. Or people come to me for advice and say, how did you fight the BBC? How did you win the war? Can you give me something? Yeah. <laughs> I've actually written a show about it, which I'm doing next week, Wednesday, called Stolen. Ha, huh. yeah. that's really, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's cool that you can turn, you know, something uh, not it's, so it's, good. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's comedy not about uh, tragedy. It's, it's about something that's not so good and you turn it into positive. Yeah. At the time, that... It could have gone either way, come out of it with a with, with a positive experience, or if I read what some people were saying at the time, they just said, "Oh, just give it to them and just forget about it and start another character." Or if I was in your shoes, I wouldn't even want to do comedy anymore. I'd be so disheartened. And there've been instances where comedians have been through this and they just it just ruined them. That's yeah. it, end of it. Yeah. So what what did you do? You fought them? Yeah, I fought. Well, I I. Uh, I, I fought them. Uh, it was one. It wasn't a one-man band. Almost a one-man army. But what was really interesting was uh, I, I had gained a lot of respect for the craft within the comedy scene. Mm -hmm. So people knew how walk, how hard I was working. Yeah. And, and 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 as a result of that, there was a lot of goodwill from comedians I had worked with, who basically were tweeting about. What was happening who were basically tweeting to say look this is unfair what you've done is unfair on a bon job you either give him the part or you give him writing writing credits but this is a steal this is a steal so i, I don't know what it's like in america but there's always the view that um within the industry that uh there isn't any solidarity but on the 29th summer 2019 I can't believe it. it with those people who didn't like the character because they just didn't get it or they just didn't like the jokes, uh -huh. people who actually liked the character, everybody was tweeting. They created a hashtag, justice for Bonja. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so as a result of it, I ended up in the mainstream media. I was in the, uh, uh, the Daily Mail. I was in the, uh, what's it called? These are all national newspapers. Mm -hmm. So it was my moment of glory. I had, you know, it was all over. And they they had photos of the dictator. Quite <laughs> 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 back. Um, so, yeah, I fought, I fought back with, with the army, with the support. Yeah. And they, they dropped it. They dropped the sitcom. They didn't do it. They just dropped it. Yeah. It was dead, dead in the water. So, yes, I won the war. Painful as it was, I won the war. Yeah. That's uh, one of the, we haven't talked a whole lot about what uh, your character um, says or does. I remember that the couple of, you know, before we booked you for our online show, I, I was, I looked at the, the, what I could of, of sets of yours and I, I liked the character a lot. Yeah. And I, this is just my own description. You can, you can add to it. Yeah. I feel like he's a very, uh, he's, He's he claims he's a dictator, but he's actually a pretty nice guy, and he's just living in his his own reality of of uh, being the president of of this land, uh, the Laughter Republic. And you you really kind of have to think a little bit about the jokes that you're you're being given. But you are mm -hmm. given jokes, and but he's a nice guy. Yeah, it's really interesting you say that, and. Um... I, I suspect what what was happening, it wasn't planned that way, obviously, it was by accident again. Because <laughs> I hadn't done any research about uh, whether I wanted to be a benevolent dictator, which is what most dictators, some dictators are. There, there are some dictators that are really nice, they care for their people, they're benevolent, and uh -huh. there's the evil dictator. Um, 
But I think the nice the niceness of it all comes from the fact that um, when I did my show called um, President Bonja Stole My Identity, I did 45 minutes in character and I did 15 minutes of coming out to say, I want my life back. Uh-huh. And the niceness comes from the fact that Benjamin, myself, uh-huh. wants to come out on stage, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And he's always fighting the character. <laughs> um, and so the twist really is the fact that the reason why that character works is people put the they see the they see the president in uniform and they automatically believe that he's a Kim Jong-un. They believe he's an evil dictator. Uh-huh. So they the I, I I've heard people say to me and come to me to say, I don't know what it is that you do with this dictator thing, but I'm not supposed to love dictators, but I just love them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's because they are taken by surprise that now dictators are supposed to be evil. Uh-huh. Why are you so nice with this right. dictatorship? Does that make sense? You're, yeah. you're, you're, too, you're too nice a dictator. I remember, I remember doing the show and the guy came to me, he was so confused. He said, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. He has Italian, I can't do Italian accent. I don't know what's going on here, but you are so, you're too lovely to be a dictator. I don't know. I never know dictators. <laughs> He comes from Italy, so he had uh, uh, they had a brutal, a really brutal dictator. Yeah, you, know, you got Hitler, Kim Jong Un, Putin. President Obama is not like that. He's just very nice. He wants to be loved. Yeah, but he knows when to be mean. And I think that's. I, I, I've had people talk to me and say, "I need you. I think you need to go darker. You need to go darker. You really need to go darker." And I think if the character goes darker. I think it becomes very predictable mm-hmm. because you know they, they, they see the uniform and say he's an African dictator. They already know what to expect, but you know that, that's just my own yeah take on it. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. He's yeah. he's yeah he's, yeah yeah yeah. I mean, uh, you know, through throughout comedy, there have been people that have uh, played characters as as the characters on on a stage, but then they get off stage and they they're not that character. Mm-hmm. Your uh, I think your s- success and, and your uniqueness comes from it is something that you can pull off both on stage and and on in that it shows the you know it's the reason that people connect to it is because we're all conflicted sometimes we want to be the mean person sometimes we want to be the nice person like mm-hmm. uh i keep i keep seeing the video of the of the welcome to nigeria it's like you think mm. oh you know this this poor kid who's fallen asleep is going <laughs> to see this man in this full army uniform you know uh president obanjo and you're just being the nicest person to him <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> laughing and it's not mean spirited. And I think yeah. that's the connection is, you know, we want to have fun. We want to be nice. There's this, you, it's, it's almost like a misdirect or redirect mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. You, you see this person in this outfit and you think, oh my gosh, am I in trouble? Yeah, exactly. And it's not, it's not mm-hmm. that at all. And I think I think that's what makes the comedy work. And it's really interesting mm-hmm. you talk about the because uh, I, I, I said to someone I was having a conversation with someone on Facebook, and I, he frowned upon the fact that my comedy doesn't end, that it actually continues off stage. Uh-huh. Some characters want to just leave it off, you know, leave it on stage, and that's it. For me. The challenge is that I have noticed that, and especially if you're doing this on your own, that you've got to find a way of engaging your audience. And and also I realize that people who see the character on stage, they don't want to let go. Uh-huh. They want the character yeah. in their lives. It's 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 that simple. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, so I use my fan page a lot. I use the fan page of the character a lot. Like, and I just write stuff jokingly. So today I just wrote, and one of the reasons Laughter Republic will never be uh, part of the Olympics is because these spots are not included. Um, waterboarding <laughs> to kill. <laughs> so fans of the character respond immediately. Uh-huh. And, 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 and if I had stopped doing it, if I hadn't done it off stage, I was able to engage with people during the pandemic as a result of me being able to do it off stage. Yeah. It was yeah. Just 
you know, and, and, and they come up, they, they actually come up, the thing, the thing comes up with, they end up unknowingly writing material for me because of the way they're engaged. So when I did that stuff about the two sports, someone called Bill Wright, who's a fan, he then wrote and said, Mr. President, you need to include, um, oh, you there? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I thought I lost you. Yeah, he said, oh, you, you need to include, um, you need to include uh, uh, bronze, silver, and gold, silver, and bronze for polygamy as a spot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I wouldn't have thought about that. You know, yeah. I wasn't engaging with my audience. Hello, but if I'm going on stage on Wednesday, yeah. I'm going to talk about that. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, yeah. I have the TikTok thing. It's a good example. If I wasn't engaging with the audience, that Welcome to Nigeria um, video, there has been so many comments about, oh, do you know what it would be like to, to, to actually wake up in Nigeria? It's not a country I wanted to be in. Or yeah. to, oh, the, the president has given that guy anxiety. Or, you know, so yeah. the, the character, I think is so unique that the comedy writes itself. That has always been the challenge that, you know, you sit down and write jokes. Hello, the character, the character could be on the train. And something yeah. happens. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think your character took a, a surreal turn when you were invited to do the debate with the mayoral candidate who I was reading oh. about. Uh, how was, I mean, I'm sure you've had many wild experiences as your character, but was that among the wildest? It was one of the wildest because um, I have never. I have never, I won't say I don't know conspiracy theorists, but I've never met that many in a room. <laughs> and, and I would say that I was outnumbered. It's a cult. It's like it's almost like you're having a bunch of cult. That is what that is. And when I walked into the room and I just noticed that all these people, there are human beings and there are human beings. And no disrespect to them, they just looked so different. They looked like they had read a lot and that had really messed up their minds uh, because they all looked just different. They just looked different. They just yeah. didn't look like they didn't look like real normal human beings to me. They just looked like they were from outer space. But what was really interesting was I met him and he was quite pleasant and he he has a sense of humor, so he knew where I was coming from. So yeah. he already started the jokes already even when he met me to say, <laughs> well, "I'm going to imprison you. I'm going to I'm going to make sure you go to the Hague." So he felt very very comfortable. But also his audiences. Um, so at one point, someone came to Colvin during the interval and said, "Please, can you tell me, is this really a real president? Because I'm getting really confused." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, but you boy. see, but, but that that bit was a turning point for me because, and not not that I planned it. I never. I ne it's not like I had a plan to say that. I wanted um, the president to be a political commentator, but actually because I was enjoying it so much, I just thought, wow, I can see the character actually being in panel shows or being in, in shows where it's a political debate, you know, right. because that was quite a prominent person to interview. Mm -hmm. So you, the her plan is to get some more prominent people to debate. And then I realized that actually this is the, what the character could do is to, to start talking about democracy and how flawed it is, you know, how flawed it is as, as a system of government. Yeah. And it is flawed. And, and, and that's how, yeah, some, some jokes have come true. I, I talk about democracy as a virus and we need to flatten the curve. And people laugh about that. But actually, when you look at America and you look at Britain and all the issues that have been, the people are unhappy about, it is a virus. You know, people are not, politicians are not being honest. Mm -hmm. about what's happening in society so yeah it, it's been it's been it's been a good turning point and it's been really positive it's yeah. been really positive uh given this growth and your your uh your growing prominence on you know the 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 tiktok and instagram viral yeah. uh yeah. stages i i can't help but feel a little bit of sadness that instead the, with that uh bbc incident that instead of them uh, turn, you know, just walking away from it and canceling what they were planning, yeah. Yeah. that there's not something, and maybe there is, 
that they didn't just say, okay, we, we goofed up, let's, let's work together and yeah. create this thing. Well, I think, I think there are a couple of things. I, I'm not going to rule it out because you never know what the future holds, but yeah. look at the person that they chose. He is a very prominent actor mm. um, and he's, he's high, he has a high profile. Uh, he uh, almost won, uh, almost like the, the equivalent of an Oscar. Okay. Yeah, so he, he's well-known and he's yeah. an actor and he's well-known and he's got a prominent face. But I think also that the, the, the BBC, they tend to want to go for younger people rather than older people. Yeah, and that's just the fact of the matter. Sure. Um, you know, there's, there's ageism, but you just have to, you know, that doesn't define me. Yeah. I don't, you know, I do what I need to do. Uh, but I'm not ruling it out because you never know, something might crop up eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and there have been instances where people, some people have approached me and just said, look, just keep doing the content. When you have such a big following, yeah. you see how this just turns around. And, and I never used to do content. I, I, I always believed that doing comedy was just on stage. I never did videos and all that stuff. I just yeah. found it, I didn't want to be seen as an Instagram or TikTok, you know, <laughs> star. But I'm glad I embraced it because I'm, I'm discovering I'm discovering new audiences, mm-hmm. uh, even though they're much younger. But a good example is when I gigged on Friday, there was a 12-year-old who came with his parents and he was able to persuade his parents to come to a live gig show. Wow. And he was the youngest. Amazing. Yeah, and he, and he <laughs> just said, oh, yeah, dad, I'm fans of him. You, you'd expect, you, you'd expect uh, fans on TikTok to be fans of, of Justin Timberlake, not of an African American. <laughs> so it, it's it's um it's opening doors. Um, so I don't I don't actually see it as a. It doesn't sadden me that nothing happened with the BBC thing. Actually, I see it as an opportunity because mm-hmm. I just see it as oh wow this you know I I I just think that actually someone said to me, someone who discovered the character basically said, what is a president doing in the comedy circuit? president that has killed people what is a president doing applying for gigs <laughs> Do you, think, <laughs> you see where it's coming from but you, yeah. you know it, it's just it's just ridiculously funny that a president yeah. has run a country in england <laughs> applying for gigs it is so there's, so another, silly. there's another dimension to that like actually <laughs> president yeah a president will actually not he won't be waiting for the BBC to, 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 to do a sitcom. He will, <laughs> he will cancel the BBC and, and you know, and rename it. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, do you see where I'm coming from? So there's, the, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, I just, it, it just opened my eyes in terms of opportunities. Yeah. And, and we love having, you know, the president of a nation on our, our little Zoom show. That was. Well, just... what's really, what's really interesting now is, I don't know if you've heard of Clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I discovered Clubhouse a few, two, three months ago. So uh, I go there in character. And what was really interesting was when I started uh, in, at Clubhouse, there were some people who were saying, oh, we want to know the real you. We don't want to know the character. Yeah. So was fine. But I then changed my profile to say, um, uh, I'm the man behind President Aponja. Yeah, And there are people who want me to talk to them in character. There are people who... Yeah. Joy having breakfast with the only president and clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so there are there are opportunities. There are opportunities. Yeah. Now I personally love the president. Uh, Thank you. But I I it is inevitable to ask, uh, are there days where you you would like to walk away from the character and maybe discover a new character? Or are you just so it's, in love with well, I, I, I have thought about this. I thought about this during the pandemic. And um, uh, I, I decided I was going to do uh, one thing uh, this pandemic, which was to actually learn how to do comedy the professional way. So I went on a comedy course for five weeks. I've only just completed the course. And I wanted to focus on myself rather than the character President Boncha. I just mm-hmm. start writing jokes about my my life rather than the president. And and there have been instances in the past 
where I wouldn't say I've tried to get away from the character. I've just tried to experiment and just be myself and this yeah. comes. And two things have happened. One, audiences who have seen me at President of Anjo get really angry. Just say, <laughs> what? You're trying to kill this character? Yeah. Are you trying to kill this character? And two, um, comedy promoters will not book me as myself. Huh. Wow. Yeah. So I, I'm in a really uh, a catch-22 situation where there, there are comedy promoters who just love the character and they will not book me unless I do the character. Yeah. And there are audience members who will basically, they want to see the character. They don't want to see me. Yeah. Um, and that's why I then came up with this because something happened at work. I was at work and I was at a business meeting and then someone had done their research. So after the business meeting, she came to me and she said, oh, wow, um, thank you for the business meeting. But I just want to tell you that, look, you're a really funny comedian. I said, what do you mean? I said, oh, are you not President Abonjo? I said, I'm sorry, there's been a mistake here. Uh, he's my twin brother. That's great. That's true because that's a recent yeah. thing that you've been talking about. That so, it's, so that was yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's where that twin brother thing came. Uh -huh. There's that I I can be his twin brother. I could you know I could be that maybe that's the way to go around around uh, it. Yeah. But, um, I I won't I won't I, I won't deny the fact that I enjoy being the character and I'd love to perform as myself. But I think the challenge is unless I start doing my own shows where I perform as myself and then people uh, see me do it, especially the comedy promoters, and they believe that I can pull it off because I know I can pull it off. Yeah. Then, yeah. So it's almost like I've almost stigmatized myself in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but no regrets. Yeah. No regrets. Yeah, and, uh, and I think for probably the audiences and, and the, the promoters, like there is still a lot of untapped potential with that character and they want to see yeah. that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That. Exactly. But yeah, it's that that's a very that's a very good question. And I remember when I did it and someone was saying, What what what, what are you doing? What 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 what, what, what where's President Abonjo? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then there are instances where I've gone on stage to perform as myself and the MC will come to me in the green room and say, You're not the president today. I said, Yes, I am not the president. And he will go on stage and still introduce me as president. <laughs> Explain that to me. Explain yeah. that. To me. Yeah, oh, yeah. gosh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I've been meaning to try and connect with other... Because it's almost like acting. I think the difference with actors is that they have different characters. So... Uh-oh. You there? I am uh, here. Yeah. yeah, we just had a little glitch. It might be the president jealous, jealous about the fact that we're talking about him. He might be, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been, as we've been talking, I've been trying to think of, are there American uh, performers that are so, uh, so known as their characters that it's hard for them to uh, break out? Pee Wee Herman is an example of, of one that I, that I think of. And I don't know if you're familiar with Pee Wee Herman. What's really interesting about Pee Wee is the fact that, yeah, Pee Wee, Pee Wee's on Twitter. Huh. And he, he tweets. I think he tweets, tweets as Pee Wee. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and there's, yeah, there are a few of them who, who do that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it's, it's possible with, with patience mm. and care. Yeah, well, I, I met someone on Clubhouse who was basically saying she, she did something similar, that she, she was in character for a while and then she decided that she was going to kill the character. Not that I'm going to kill my character. They won't even let me kill my character. Um, <laughs> but, but she killed her character and then started being stand-up. And it took a while. It took almost two years to get back yeah. and to be taken seriously. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Well, uh, Benjamin, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Yeah. 
you wanted to get to know the get to know me. So I hope I hope you've had that opportunity. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I'm doing with this uh, 2021 summer vacation series is obviously traveling around the world, talking to uh, comics from wherever they're based at, and uh, having them tell us who are some comics from the London area that we should be uh, paying attention to, and also uh, what should we know about the London comedy scene. You there? I am. This, this yeah. has not happened uh, on my other interviews, even you know, as far as Kuala Lumpur. So. Oh yeah, so it must be it must be the last Republic um, internet service. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> yeah, they they've picked up on this covert uh, fact finding mission, and they're not very fact happy. Yeah. yeah. So let's um let's try and wrap it up as quickly as quick I can. Yeah. So in terms of the comedy scene, um, the doors are opening up now. So we the government lifted the restrictions. So we're now performing live. Um, we have the Edible Fringe Festival coming up soon in August, but it's going to be a smaller version of it because they're taking, you know, being cautious. But there is a saturation in terms of who's getting gigs because they're going for the bigger names, the people who are established, people who have been around longer and get bombs on seats. So that's that. That's the key thing. The name in Jambi Migrat. There's Ero Suna, who is also a very great comic. There's been a lot of discussion about uh, making sure you have diverse bills and that you have bills that include women. And so uh, they're talented, but what you're seeing is you're seeing more women in bills now. You see more women move up to the, to the ladder of the, of the profession, which is great, which, great. Is, which is great. So that's what I'm mentioning. Um, so I think the future is bright. It's going to take a while. I think people are still very frightened to go out um and maybe as they see people go out that will encourage them to and because people have been i almost call it like institutionalized you know yeah. you've been in the house for so long and then all of a sudden you you're, you're being asked to you're being released back into the community right yeah. and you need laughs this facebook comedy room i think yeah they there you can pick up what's happening within this sector there's also um uh, in terms of the uk there's something called the chattel chattel magazine uh, that, that's where it's called, it's spelled C-H-O-R-T-L. Uh, and it's a comedy magazine for the industry. That's where you get to pick up uh, what's happening in the comedy scene. You also have um, Beyond the Joke, which is another rival uh, comedy magazine. So those two, uh, they produce weekly updates, if not daily updates in terms of who's appearing on the TV show, who's doing a gig, who's going on tour. Uh, if there's any scandal or any top top news, uh, there was a, a comic who got cancelled recently in the UK called Andrew Lawrence. He made the news through the Chattel, through um, mm. um, Beyond the Joke. So those two those two magazines will, and they're online. Beyond the Joke and uh, Chattel, they will help in terms of just informing you of what's happening within the industry. Okay, great. Okay, well, I like to wrap these up with a closing question. One word to describe your future. Invasion. Now, is that Benjamin's answer or is that your twin brother's answer? <laughs> That's my answer. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham! Presents Benjamin Bello. Tell us where we can find you or your twin brother on social media and let us know about any upcoming projects. Uh, well, so starting point is uh, I have uh, the president, my twin brother, has a show uh, at Bedford uh, on Wednesday at 7.30. It's a show called Stolen, and it's to talk about uh, what happened in July 2019, the attempted coup by the BBC. Um, uh, there are a number of projects I am working on. I'm working on a sitcom myself, so I'm writing a sitcom about right. my character. Um, it's a monologue, a 10-minute monologue that I'm hoping to film. Hopefully, it should be out by September, October. Um, where can you find me? Uh, you can't find me, but you can find the president. 
Well, I have a Twitter handle that I'm trying to use uh, as Benjamin. Um, uh-huh. But uh, you can find the president on at Real Abonji on Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse. He's all over the place. He has more prominence on social media than I do. How he's able to run a country, I really don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's basically it. Um, yeah, and I might be doing edible frame but online rather than going there live. Just ah. doing online. Um, because what's really interesting is uh, I, I noticed you said that you stopped doing yours because uh, live gigs came up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but I my my concern is that we have we discovered new audiences. We have people who didn't have access to the services who couldn't really go to comedy clubs because they were disabled or they just couldn't get there. Um, And they still, they enjoy comedy. So someone needs to give them back comedy online. And so that's what I'm trying to do. But also for those people who might find, still find it difficult going out because they just, you know, it's going to take a while. I think there's, it's, I think the sector should embrace hybrid. But in terms of comedy that's happening online, and live gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I will definitely be checking that out because anywhere the president uh, is performing, I definitely want to be there. Oh, thank you so much. I should tell the president. Maybe he'll make you his eighth wife or something. <laughs> I, I would be honored. I would be, be honored uh, to, to serve the president. <laughs> but thank and, you for having me. And if he needs a, a, a U.S. ambassador, Comedy Wham uh, is is at, at his beck and call. So just kind yeah, of- Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also know that um, Comedy One responded to his tweet about uh, tomorrow he's going to waterboard his um, uh, secretary for comedy intelligence. Yes. Because he's out on some comedy festivals. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, you, I think someone from Comedy One said, oh, are you hiring? So yes. he hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> was- uh, he's waiting. Tomorrow morning is when he's going to talk to the secretary of state to give his explanation. Uh, why has he missed out on these comedy festivals? Uh-huh. <laughs> fantastic well we hope you've enjoyed learning about how benjamin got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as i have this has been comedy wham presents benjamin bellow i'm valerie and that's been funny thank you benjamin thank you so much you take care (laughs) all right